0: Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me as always is podcast co-host emeritus Zach Mabry. Zach, how are you, my friend? I'm I'm great. Uh, what? You're the forever co-host of this podcast, eternal co-host. I don't know that that's what emeritus means. I don't know what it means either, but... Uh, also, all right, all right. also, we have a third man on deck. He is the one half of Clerically Speaking. He is the hater of the moon and lover of Hot Pockets. And he is also a wonderful priest, Father Anthony Sharapa.
1: I'm glad you think that all of those qualities can subsist in one person. I appreciate that.
0: You, I mean yeah we listen we we spend most of our podcasts talking about the kardashians and zach all he talks about is little nas x and billy ray cyrus so uh far be it from me to tell people who they can and can't be
1: (laughs) good i appreciate it
0: yeah okay so uh here's the deal normally uh as i say we we this is where i say to zach what's in the news but we are recording this a day after recording another podcast, so the news hasn't really changed. So, since this is coming out on Holy Week, I thought we could do a quick "How is your Lent going?" kind of as the news Oof. as the news segment. Okay, all right, never mind. We got the one word answer we needed from Father <laughs> Anthony there.
1: No, 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 no. We can do it. We can do it.
0: Okay. Well, let's have Zach. but Zach. How's your Lent? Yeah, going?
1: yeah. Go first. I'll, I'll make something up.
0: Okay
2: how's lent going uh, this lent has been has been good um it's been nice to just sort of i don't know you kind of take a step back from worldly things and you know have a pause um so <laughs> yeah i'm i'm happy with it oh
0: okay yeah great great that was lent. beautiful that was a beautiful lent
2: um i have broken lent? all of my lenten resolutions so um there
0: we go yeah. Yeah, you you but, did. You know, I, that has taught me humility. Zach, exactly, Zach. You came in. You 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 decided you were going to give up Twitter late, and you came back to Twitter early. It's consistency, though, at least, right? I mean, I gave it up on Ash Wednesday, so it wasn't super late. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I oh, all right. Well, this segment's going great. Uh, if you want to, if you. <laughs> want to tweet us you can find us at roman circus pod i'm at hey it's matt baker zach is at zach mabry z-a-c mabry father anthony is at father sharapa um uh, that's his last name uh you can email us podcast at romancircusblog.com Find us on iTunes, rate and review us if you want. We're also on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash Roman Circus Pod. And if you're not interested in that, patreon.com slash clerical pod. There you go. Hey. We got to keep the, as soon as it's just going to be like an ecosystem where we're all passing money back and forth, Father Anthony. Right. <laughs> so, all the
1: podcasts just passing money back and forth.
0: Yeah. Yep. All right, so that was Lent. Great, it's Lent. Oh, oh Father Anthony, question about uh, you being a priest. What's your what's your Easter schedule like? What do you got going on? You know, it's, it's not too bad,
1: because mm. recently my diocese has decided to start following canon law, officially. Amazing, so amazing. I can't even tell you how amazing it is. It, with regards to how many Sunday Masses you can say. So previously... Uh, canon law says maximum maximum you can say three sunday masses in a weekend so Mm -hmm. even though i have seven parishes even though everything is crazy um east i've got the vigil and the pastor will be doing the vigil we have two vigils and four priests so i'll be with the pastor i'll probably be singing the exalted and emceeing the vigil and then i have two easter morning masses and that's it so i get to be spend some time with my family so it's not too bad it's doable
0: that's pretty good. Is, is everything really ki- is. everything kind of settling down with your the reshuffling no. and everything? No. Oh, okay. Not at all. So <laughs> it's one thing to like tell
1: everyone, all right, we're going to take these parishes and make them one. It's another thing to declare the parishes one officially and canonically. And it's a fourth thing. Actually, I'm not sure what, how many things I was counting. But it's another thing to start <laughs> choosing the buildings you're going to use for worship and for other things and which buildings Mm -hmm. you're not going to use. And that's when people are going to really feel it. And the reality is going to crush them and it's going to be sad. It's going to be tough. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a tough thing. Um,
0: a necessary thing, but a tough thing. So do you, what do you think the restructuring, is it going to, how many buildings are going to kind of not be used? Do you, do you have any idea?
1: I mean, hard to tell. Uh, we have seven. We're definitely not going to be using seven. Mm -hmm. Um, my guess is that we will use some of the buildings. I'm not going to say any more than that because, just in case someone's listening from uh, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, I don't want to start any rumors because I really don't know.
0: We are we're huge in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. It's our number one yeah. market. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we hope for a swift and just and very uh, delicate end to this situation.
1: Thank you. Pray for Pittsburgh.
0: Uh, yeah, we will. What's the what's the uh, penguins' situation? Are they in the what's their deal with the playoffs here?
1: They're in the playoffs. They mm-hmm. played last night, but I was too busy recording a podcast to know what was going on. Uh, and that's they're playing
0: against the New York
1: Islanders.
0: Question okay. mark. Okay, I think that's it. That, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, sweet. Um, Wait, all last right.
2: night. Was it last night? I think so.
0: Oh, the Islanders won last night. Did they? Oh, that's sad. Wow, I'm surprised, Zach. Your hockey knowledge is better than I acce- expected. You just
1: swooped in; it would p- made me look like a fool, like a fool.
2: Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry.
0: <laughs> Trying to delete. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's get to the meat of the situation here. All the yeah. all the all the pre all the pre segments. We don't have, you know fancy tweet segments like you guys got. We just got like rambling stumbling. All right, let's get through it segments. Um so a book came out by noted author and internet person and all caps destroyer of the libs Ben Shapiro. Mm-hmm. What it came out maybe like in the past month. And it's Yeah, co- only just by a few weeks. Okay, it's called The Right Side of History which is an interesting name for a book. But, uh... And a- another way to be on the right side of history
2: is with ZipRecruiter. If you're tired of always looking for uh, employees
0: all by yourself, you could go to ZipRecruiter. Oh, that's so good. Good, good job, Zach. Um, Thank you. Uh, Father Anthony and I have both listened to it. You listened to it on Audible, right? I listened to it on Audible.
1: I also have a copy of the book because I had an Audible free credit. I bought the book too just to look over it again and take notes.
2: Okay. Is Shapiro the narrator? He, he
0: is. is. Yeah.
1: And can I say something right off the bat about this book, this Audible book? Mm-hmm. Do it. The Audible recording is terrible. It's like not- embarrassingly so. Like it- the audio isn't as good as other Audible books I've heard nor is it even as good as Ben's like podcast like the audio quality and then in the first it, it fixes it but in the first couple chapters did you catch this it was like there was copy and paste editing it, where it, it, instead it, of every
0: reco- sorry to interrupt you-
1: yeah instead of like re-recording the whole thing like a, a little slip up it'd be in the middle of the sentence and then the audio quality would change and then you would have ben rereading a section and it was so jarring and weird for i just it, it really bothered
0: me did you catch that um, I I don't know if I caught that exactly, but I did. Ca- it did. It didn't flo- feel like flowy to me. It was just kind of like, yeah. It it I did catch a lot of like what seemed to be copying pasting. Like it was just kind of point after point, and it didn't. It was. It 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 felt more like a seminar than it did like a Harry Potter book on tape type thing. <laughs>
1: Shocking. Yeah.
0: Sorry. I'll read another book. Um, but. <laughs> But yeah, it wasn't. It was by no means like the best audio book as far as quality that I've listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I imagine that I don't know. I he is a, he is a pretty busy guy, so I imagine he went in and was like, "All right, let's try and crank this out as quickly as possible." Sure. And and then they did that. Um. So yeah. So it's it's the right side of history, and we wanted to talk about it because I. Like I was saying before, I I I, th- I would assume that with Shapiro's popularity, that our crossover on Roman Circus podcast and clerically speaking is could be upwards of like eighty mm-hmm. percent of like listeners who listen to us listen to Shapiro and and all that. So we wanted to talk about it and kind of pick out things, talk about it like from a Catholic perspective. Um, or what, what we what we like about it obviously, what we didn't like, what we think needs fleshing out, that type of stuff. And if if you want, Father Anthony, at the end we can talk about capitalism. Sure,
1: we'll try to do that maybe. We'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: Okay. Yeah, let's try that. Um right off the bat, it it kind of struck it what it the setup is basically the progression of thought and values up until twenty nineteen, right? So like It starts with Judaism and uh, Judeo-Christian values and kind of goes through the Enlightenment period, and it touches on the Greeks, and it touches on Aquinas and Augustine, and it just kind of makes its way to show kind of the idea that where we lost our, uh, you know, according to Shapiro, where we lost our way and where we kind of became more about the self than we did about anything else like self pleasure if it doesn't feel good we don't do it if it feels good we do it type thing um is that I, I mean is that basically what you
1: yeah it's basically it's uh shapiro trying to solve the problem of why in the west even though things materially are overall better than they ever have been right why is there still so much division and anger and depression and everything else uh, why does there seem to be so much ingratitude, even though when materially and with regards to rights and laws, are we uh, materially very fortunate and politically very fortunate overall? And so what what's going on there? And so his thesis is more or less that this culture, this was built on Judeo-Christian values. And it's that understanding of happiness, that understanding of basic first principles that built this culture mm-hmm. and then we abandoned it and we're kind of running on the fumes and his desire is by I think by showing you the philosophical history of the west you can see the good parts where it went wrong so educate yourself about the history and then at the very end he basically says we need to fight for this thing
0: right it, it also that it initially the kind of an interesting thing and zach and i briefly talked about this idea of if if everything is great but you're not happy does that actually mean everything is great right like so it's like if we're living yeah, in, exactly if we're living in the best time material wise but we're not We're but you know it's there's depression and there's all this stuff are we truly living in the best time and it because it that one of the things that shapiro does that i I don't know if it's a pro- i have a problem with it or if i it's just one of the things i I'm kind of concerned about what he does is he's he's so forceful on the this is the this is the like we can get any access to whatever we want we can do whatever we want this is such a great time and he almost doesn't really budge on the mental aspect like the actual internal aspect like it's kind of like a guy's how can I don't want to maybe I'm putting a few words in his mouth, but like, guys, how can you be sad if we have if we can do whatever we want?
1: Yeah, I think it it often sounds like that. Mm -hmm. And even on his podcast, uh, he'll emphasize the material so much that you've been to wonder, like, is this just a purely material vision of humanity? But in the book, even though he's still hitting those same points, Mm -hmm. um, he is saying that, no, 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 this this means it's very easy for us to achieve real happiness. And he does go to outline sort of what happiness is, and it's not based on the material. So for him, what happiness is, is basically purpose or meaning, and that is derived from your reason and from God. So basically doing God's will and living out in accordance with right reason, morally. And he's trying to show how the West gives the best balance of this so you can do this as an individual so you have um individual um how's he put it individual capacity right and there's a way he phrases it that i had my thumb on the thing oh yeah so individual purpose individual capacity and then communal uh purpose and communal capacity Mm -hmm. so basically uh as a person can you pursue these things and then as a community can you pursue these things and are you pursuing the right things he's trying to get everyone on the same page saying hey we need to pursue these things that we've learned from jerusalem and athens jerusalem and athens tell us what it means to be human tells us what it means to be happy and out of that philosophies out of those philosophies and religion a lot of stuff happens like the government we have now, which is good. All the material stuff, which we have now is that is good. All the science that we have now, which is good. So right. That's what he's going at. The problem is his definition. I think I have a few problems with this. It's, it's fine as far as it goes. I think his snapshots of the different philosophers are pretty good as far as snapshots go. As far as like a broad view of thinkers in mm-hmm. the West, I think he does an okay job. Right. Um, and it really is basically just teaching you it's your intro to it's your like not intro to philosophy so much as your like your broad sweep of uh philosophy.
0: Right, right. That's what I that's kind of what I appreciate. It I like when things go more in depth, obviously, but like he, he kinda lays it out to where if you're if you're interested in Kant, like you can go back and read more of him. Like he doesn't spend time laboring over each of these figures, right? It's actually right. it's it's a pretty quick read or listen i should say but it uh but yeah so he so he kind of goes through there and he 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 sets it up i did appreciate that he sets it up like with respect of natural law too so even in Mm -hmm. things you can tell he if there's some of the philosophers he doesn't agree with he still kind of talks about them in respect to where they fall with natural law and not necessarily where they fall with catholicism or judaism right right so
1: so After, I think where he fails in his his survey of history Mm -hmm. is when you get to Christianity. Because he says, what What Christianity... And this is not surprising. He's an Orthodox Jew. I mean, what does he really know? And I think a lot of times, a lot of the Christians that he surrounds himself with, while good people don't have a deep understanding um, of at least the Catholic religion, Uh, he seems to be more surrounded by evangelicals than anyone else. Which is fine, but just you're not going to get a full understanding. So his... What, he, what what Christianity brings to Judaism, what it does for history is that it broadens and spreads Judeo values and makes them, it simplifies them and makes them more approachable and emphasizes grace. He says that's what Christianity did. Mm-hmm. You kind of take away all the complexity of Jewish law, you get to the heart of what's going on there, and you
0: spread it around, and
1: there's an emphasis on grace.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, I remember hearing that too.
1: And the problem with that is, and the one person he he mentions here and there, but like the whole thing of Christianity is not that it simplifies Judaism. The whole thing of Christianity is Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. He, he, he very notably leaves that out and he, I've, I've heard him on a few things uh, recently. I listened to him on one thing and he obviously because he is Jewish, but his Christ is very much not a thing to him. Like it's not even in in his mind, he's not even a prophet. I heard him say that on one thing, right? So it's like, it's almost that it becomes not a factor because it's something that's just not in his realm, like a thing he thinks about. Right.
1: And I think this points to the problem, not just that he doesn't get the Christian thing, but... I think what this book misses is that the real question, the real problem, the, the real book he should be writing, I think, is mm. a religious one, because if you derive meaning from what God's will is, and that's at least, at least half of it for him, mm-hmm. uh, then like you need like the question of who God is and what he says is primary, and that's the question he leaves out of this book and i get why cuz he's trying to get more of just the ideas mm-hmm. and the broad scope of things okay fine but you're missing out this big thing for this to work for judeo christian values to work they have to be based on truth so sure. god has to be true and who that god is is going to drastically change how you see what god's will is
0: right and that's i i've noted that things that frustrate me about books that I, I don't like it when books come like halfway in on religion like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I like you said I, I think he needs to commit fully to it but there what frustrates me is like it, at some point it cuts against its own purpose like it cuts against its own argument like if it just brings in religion halfway and mm-hmm. and right the the fact of the non committal again like it 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 it's more of a sweeping general book but like but there's no it if it doesn't come fully in with religion in the way you say like it even cuts against his own policy prescriptions at the end right like it yeah there's no it how how much after reading this if if you're not father anthony and i'm not uh decent catholic matt um how much at the end of it would we have been like, well, we need to jump on board with religion. Like, or I, like I feel in a way that you almost can make an excuse, even though he kind of lays out the trouble with like immanitism and, and individuality type stuff. Like it, um, I feel like I could still come away from reading this and think, well, I, I can still try and find my own way. Like I've got all these things. He laid out all these people, but still at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's kind of what I'm, what I'm into and what I think I can do best.
1: I think, yeah. So basically it's like what it seems to imply is you don't have to be religious. You just have to be spiritual. There has to be, you have to have a a vague notion of one God who wants you to do basic Judeo Christian things. But that kind of idea always falls apart. Mm -hmm. The one problem with, with America, the one the one problem. This is the only problem. Yes, okay? yes, 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 yes. Of course. Okay. So get ready for this. So, like the the government system as it's set up, checks and balances. You throw that all on paper. Good, fine. The one thing that he says needs to happen, and he cites authors like this all the time, that the people need to be virtuous, mm-hmm. and there needs to be kind of a common cause in general in religion uh, and in in morals. The thing is. Our country was not based on Catholicism, but kind of a, a Deism, a Protestantism, Right. and Protestantism hold, within it holds this kind of factor of disintegration, mm-hmm. of breaking apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't hold itself together historically as a for, as a historical force. It does not hold itself together. So, right. you need something deeper and something that will that can be sustained more than a Deism, more than Judeo-Christian values. So you have to either say, okay, uh, Judaism, this is it, you know, uh, or something else has to be it. I think. I think he avoids that question because he just kind of wants to get everyone on the same sort of page. Like, just he wants everyone just to stop being crazy and stop treating your politics like your god and Mm -hmm. stop treating these ideologies like your god. And that's good. That's a good message he's sending but i think it's a deeper question that he avoids
0: understandably so in my opinion okay yeah so i have two points on that one i wrote down that he talked about how virtue is tied to purpose which i'm not i'm not quite sold on the idea of that um i think that we have mm-hmm. obviously we have a created purpose and our purpose is to become more virtuous but i don't think that like the vir- i i think it's I th- I think it's kind of not fully fleshed out on what he was yeah. saying there. And then the second is uh, he, okay, this is going to, I'm just going to say it. I, I, I don't, yeah, know. he cares about the founding fathers too much for me sometimes. <laughs> sure. I like, yeah, I think so. I don't, I appreciate all of them. Right. I appreciate, I, I do honestly think that they, I mean, even the ones that were just crazy, like Benjamin Franklin, Hey Zach, nice nice to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had to pop in,
1: <laughs> um, guys. Guys, Benjamin Franklin, he's crazy. He's, right, he's crazy.
0: Uh, so I mean, you're right, right. But so the founders, like, I don't, I don't doubt that they were insanely smart men. Like, honestly, I think for their time and for this time, I think they mm-hmm. match up with some of the smartest. But, but he he talks about how they basically they created. Philosophical happiness like he i think he there's almost an idea where he doesn't talk about religion, but then these men are lifted up to religious figures, right so they're the ones that yeah. they're the ones that created this system they're the, like so they're the ones that had the foresight in the to create the constitution and to create the democracy and all these things right so in it, the
1: fullness of time, America was born. And that is I mean, our salvation. That,
2: yeah. that is a, an accurate way to describe the way that a lot of people treat that that mm-hmm. time period in the the founding of the United States. Right. I'm not saying he's right in that
1: it's the first nation to be founded almost entirely on it. like it was a bunch of dudes got together and built a government and then it kinda worked. Sure. Like that's a real big deal. No, it no is. Doubt. They're they're but they're, it is this like quasi religious it... reverence to this point in time it's like mm-hmm. all of history doesn't center on the incarnation and centers on uh, this country which i'm a very happy to be a part of this country and it's wonderful to say mass without worrying about getting shot and i've got this nice computer and i've got my xbox in the other room all wonderful i'm not trying to be uh un, un- uh ingracious or what's uh yeah. i'm very grateful for right. the time and place i've lived but what you're saying matt and uh what you're saying zach is yeah, this isn't a thing to be worshiped.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not that any of those things you said are wrong. I agree yeah. with all of them. I just like I said, I think that the problem in this scenario is it's it, it's how it's where you you need to elevate people to their proper place, right? So it's like they're I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna. I probably am gonna put my foot in my mouth somehow. I don't know. I feel like I'm on the. Well, I we're I talking mean, about Ben Shapiro's book. We're all gonna put our foot in our mouth. I
2: know we lost all of our, our friends, podcast. by the way. So. <laughs> right. I mean, just as a, a counterpoint, you know, the United States was the first nation founded, you know, by you know baptized men that didn't recognize Christ as king, and oh, you know, yeah. I think that you know there's something to consider there. Um, and then, you know, one thing I would add as far as kind of these, you know, unifying values or like the lack thereof is that, you know, as much as America is a pretty diverse nation currently, um, but really for the first few hundred years, it just wasn't. I mean, if you look at where most people came from mm-hmm. uh, during that time period, it, it was, you know, a pretty small little section of the globe. Yep. And so you had, you know, primarily these British settlers and then you you know you had the germans but for the most part you really didn't you know the unifying thing was just more or less a lack of diversity right. and so you know i think for a while that kind of can hold people together without some kind of formal structure like a shared religion you know when they they have shared you know lots of things but i mean you know there there wasn't a lot of sometimes people kind of pitch america as if you know it was set up and then people from just all over the world started coming. Um, But realistically it was settled in pretty, pretty distinct patterns.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, I, I don't know. I don't know where else I was going. We had, I was trying to jump on your point of something, but it's kind of like, I guess the replacement aspect of not, not fully talking about Judaism and Christian values and kind of Mm -hmm. looking at them as, because on some level, it it if you look at these old philo- like any any philosopher that's not a Catholic one, I would say we can't fully appreciate them as much as we appreciate Aquinas or Augustine or Saint Therese of Lassau or just things like that, right? So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, okay, <laughs> okay, I don't know where I was going yeah. with that. Well, and a lot of times, like when I hear
2: Judeo Christian values, I'm I'm instantly thinking that they're referring to basically 18th century, um, Masonic liberalism. Like, I, I don't know yeah. that they're referring to values that existed prior to the 18th century.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a, I think that's, that's a very good critique. Like when you say Judeo Christian values, what like you need to, like, what do you actually mean by that? And there are some things that are consistent as in you know, one God, uh, murdering people is mostly bad, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, But, yeah, you need to get more specific. And so it seems like for us, we're Catholics. So let's just cut to the chase here. We're all Catholics. Mm -hmm. It's not our job to try to patch up the country. It's our job to proclaim the truth. Right. Yeah. I think it's actually by evangelizing that you help the country not by kind of vaguely bringing people into an understanding of judeo-christian values of athens and jerusalem i don't think you can evangelize with that i don't think it's as gripping of a story uh, i think you need something more
0: well it also it i i feel like it's too it's too like it it it, it tries to mold the at the end of the day there you like you said there are things about both faiths that are consistent but then there's a very big split that cuts against each other yeah (laughs) right so it like it and it seems to me that that's and it should it's it should be perfectly fine to talk about and we don't and we don't need this little like patchwork where we're trying to to know uh what we're like where we don't need to like kind of pretend that we're all that all religions are basically the exact same in the end
1: So a question I have Mm -hmm. about this book is I'm trying to figure out who did Ben write it for. Right. What's really the purpose of this book? I think part of it is that he wants to get all of his ideas out on paper. Mm -hmm. But this isn't an evangelical book in the sense that it's trying to persuade you of an an idea. The book doesn't have a whole lot of arguments in it. It doesn't explain why. There's almost no arguments
0: in it, really.
1: Right. I mean, he shows why a lot of philosophies
0: don't work.
1: Mm -hmm. He does do that. But he's not – he doesn't really try to convince you that God exists or that his way works as much as all these other ways don't work. So there's a little bit of that. But also, I think he's just trying to educate his followers. I think that's what this book is meant to do because a lot of people listen to him. A lot of people either agree with him because he owns the libs or agree with him for various reasons. Right. Um, I enjoy listening to him because – one, I get some news, but also I kind of appreciate overall, he's not perfect, but the honesty with which he approaches things and mm-hmm. the forthrightness. And I think he's a pretty intelligent guy, and he gets a lot of things right, not necessarily everything. Uh, so there's people like that who just kind of appreciate that style of um, discourse, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. I think what he's trying to do is educate his listeners so that they have the same tools and philosophical background. So that and at the end he talks about it. This isn't about convincing other people. He talks about passing this on to your children,
0: right? That's the very the very end. That is a big the very end. In the end.
1: It's like he's given up on the other side a little bit in this book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like no, no. We just have to pass this along. It's not so much trying to convince other people of this thing. There is
0: so Benedict <laughs> Options Shapiro. Yeah, it kind of is. So he, this is the the thing. The overall thing I appreciated about the book the most is it is the least Shapiro owns the libs, uh, how to debate, how to debate your enemies and get the win type thing, right? So you going into it, I had no idea what I was going to listen to, but I thought that it was going to be like a basically more or less a Shapiro hit job on all his enemies, and I appreciated that it wasn't. I think obviously he obviously at any book he writes at this point is going to sell a lot of copies. So I don't think he he needs to necessarily worry about that. What I think I, I do think he wanted to like take a chance on just writing something that's that really is everyone's, if you're going to, if you think he's a white nationalist, you're going to call him that regardless. Right. If you think, sure. if you think he's like a hero, he's going to be your hero regardless of what he writes. So I, on some level it had to be cleansing or at least fun to him to write something where he can just kind of talk about history. Like, I think it, I think he more or less wanted it just to be a history book, even though it, Yeah. it, so I, I think that, I don't know what his, his, I don't know if it was, it was trying to reach a certain audience, but maybe it was that just like at the end he talks about it, We need to, the, I also, I, he is so he's always so convinced with changing people's minds that I do think it was it was okay to just kind of say at the end like this is important to pass on. You don't always have to be battling people in a way. Mm.
1: I think one he his real passion, even though he enjoys politics, he enjoys owning the libs and all that good stuff. Because <laughs> um, who wouldn't who wouldn't who doesn't enjoy politics and owning the libs? My goodness, what a life! Right. Um, but like, I think his true passion, apart from, I mean, his faith, is talking about first principles. Like, mm-hmm. I think at, at heart he wants to dive deeper into these issues, and this is his chance to do it in a form that you can't do on a podcast or a radio show. I think there's that. Right. Um, and then there's going to be something else I was going to say about what he's doing,
0: and I forget. Did I just go on too long? I rambled. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all
1: right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, but getting back to the fact that we're Catholic and we have the fullness of the truth, Mm -hmm. um, the purpose of what what happiness comes from, because he he gets close to it. Aristotle gets close to it. And talking about what is the will of God, it's interesting because um, Orthodox Judaism is not the same I think, as biblical Judaism,
0: it can't. I mean, it. it, it, I agree. It can't be at this point, really. Like, right, right. I I mean, the
2: the biblical Judaism, like the you know the religion that came into being, you know, with God's covenant with Abraham and that was practiced by the Holy Family, it it didn't live past the destruction of. Right. I was going to say seventy AD. Yeah. Right. So I mean, rabbinical Judaism or or some of the things that followed, um, you know, we're we're not really any older than Christianity. Yeah,
1: and the way that from my understanding, it's limited is that there are a lot of rabbis I think uh, put forth the idea that uh, the sacrifices uh, in the Old Testament were to prepare weren't necessarily supposed to go on forever Sure. and this is how they reconcile the thing Like, so it, this is, you know, it was to help mm. to people understand, to guide the people but now all you have is the Torah and that's all you need Whereas for us, we see the sacrifice continuing and being fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and this is getting down to like what does it mean? What's what's meaning? What's purpose? What's happiness for the Christian? For the human being, we would say because we claim all kinds of truth up in here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, For us, happiness is worship, the worship of God,
0: right? In accordance, and
1: that's going to radically change. How you see you know, happy, you know happiness or the whole human project? So for us, we have a little bit more wiggle room when it comes to politics. Uh, I think the church has a lot to say on political things, but I think we have more room. It doesn't have to be a democracy or a republic or whatever else, mm-hmm. but it has to be something that allows us to worship God in freedom. As right, individuals,
0: should, yeah, we should be just as happy. In a democracy, as we would be under a on a, under any other form, if we were still just able to go to mass and to worship as we mm-hmm. can, right? Sure. And I think it it's, it
1: can sort of line up with Ben's structure of uh, individual purpose, individual capacity, communal purpose, communal capacity, because um, the highest form for us is that communal purpose to gather together at the mass. To worship together as one body of Christ—that's mm-hmm. the height of Christian worship. But it's also necessary for the individual to worship um, through prayer, through repentance, through loving neighbor, through sanctifying the world by by your very presence, by evangelizing and spreading uh, the good news. All of that is is all wrapped up in worship as well. So that's the route I would take if I was trying to convince if I was trying to convince Ben and try to use some of his language, I think you can use a little bit of his language. Um, but the underlying purpose is something deeper because we were made to worship God.
0: I, I agree that I don't know how anybody can add anything on top of that. We were made to worship God. It, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause I always, I always kind of view these things through a Shapiro stubbornness too. Like I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily say that bad. We're all stubborn, but like it's there's a lot of things that line up that I'm just like, man, why aren't you Catholic sometimes? Like I I just I don't I don't know if it's like it I don't I don't know if it's like it the same argument like for me I'm too stubborn and I I like my Catholic roots too much outside of what I know about Catholicism, yeah. right? Um but it just like the I guess the is that, is that, that's kind of the other issue is, is the community thing. The community thing mm-hmm. opens it up to not a specific community, but just whatever community you fall into, right? Is that kind of the other, the other issue? What do you mean? When he talks about communal purpose, he, what does he, how does he, he doesn't talk about finding it in like Catholicism, obviously, or, Judaism. He talks no, about how he finds he's it. He's
1: very open. Right. Yeah. You can find it in your community, whether that be a club or a church. He's very open about it. And then in general, the the nation has to allow that to happen mm-hmm. for so whatever your community is. So he's kind of like kind of happy with like Jewish people have their communal uh, purpose mm-hmm. and so Christians have theirs. And in general we can all agree that we're aiming at something similar and that's good. And that's all he wants. Um, Again, I, which because, I think I mean, that's
2: really where it falls short. I mean, right. You know, yeah. the the sort of libertarian view. Zach, more we don't less we don't excludes. say cuss words on the
0: podcast. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I mean, it excludes the idea of kind of having a unifying we, like whatever whatever it is. I mean, you know, there's a unifying concept or mm-hmm. principle or something. I mean, you, you can't have your unifying principle be something like choice. You know, I mean. It, it has to be something that's actually unifying. I mean, I think, and that's where I think you kind of have the weakness of the sort of libertarian view. And when they talk about community, it's like, but they're usually opposed to things that would help shape a community, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: or allow it to kind of flourish. Sure. Yeah. That's where I think it it falls short. That's where I was saying earlier, when he cuts against his own premise, like he, he gets, he marches up to the line and right before, he can you can cross over the line and make some, like, giant fist-in-the-air move. It's just kind of, like, slinks back into, you know, well, whatever, whatever works, you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I think he's missing how well Christianity does this. Uh, he, he talks about Catholicism, because if you're going to talk about history, honestly, you, you have, have to talk about Absolutely. Catholicism. Right? Uh, but what a lot of people don't do is, when you talk about catholicism you also have to talk about the theology and the beliefs and you also have to be willing to accept at the very least that people actually believed this stuff hmm. um, kings believed it peasants believed it right. a lot of times historians think like no honest person could actually believe this well that's that's ridiculous it's a refusal to really look at a culture and really look at history and before what was unifying europe or west was this idea of, of Christendom that you could speak a different language? This is the universality of the Church. You mm-hmm. could speak a different language. You could have different tastes. You could even have different liturgies. But what was binding you together was the
0: one faith. Sure. Yeah. The ma- like the the mass. Like you could go anywhere mm-hmm. and you know what the mass is, and you have this ability to participate in this universal thing.
2: Right. Well, and it I might be a little bit a different in further, Rome. Father... And a little d- oh, go ahead. And say that, you know, it wasn't the idea of Christendom. I mean, there was an actual, this was a visible society. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: You're right. Yeah, thanks for that correction. That's important. Um, uh, that's what was the unifying thing across Europe, and then eventually, you know, across you know uh, the world, what's meant to be. It's not this vague thing, and you have your vague club. It's, yeah, you can have your cultures and your customs, and Christianity incarnates itself in those things, and has its own flavors and styles, but there's still this unifying thing. And it's this great um, leveler as well. Like You don't have politicians uh, repenting publicly anymore, but you would have kings uh, and even emperors repenting. Mm -hmm. Um, There's something about that kind of, the power of that unifying idea, which still allows for individuality, that I think he misses. He kind of glosses over, basically says... um, Catholicism became too monolithic, and that's why it broke. Right. No, Catholicism broke because it abandoned holiness. And then that's when you have the breakup of. Uh, it, not all of Europe well, I mean, was it, fully. It also converted. broke because of
2: you know, extreme uh, external. Pressure and revolutions and I mean it's not like everyone just woke up one day and was like hey we're not about this I mean mm-hmm. you know in France they were massacring all the priests I mean you know it, it, no, 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 no. Be- it happens before that it
1: definitely happens before that way before the French Revolution uh, it begins to start to bubble up here and there um, at the very very kind of beginning of enlightenment when basically I think when uh, how do I don't put this um, scholasticism run amok I think is how it begins and people kind of thinking themselves out of God a little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then, when it really breaks, is the Protestant Reformation. Right,
2: and, and then if, go if ahead. you go ahead, follow kind of the history of of the, you know, of Protestantism and how it formed. It's hard to miss how much of a, a sort of nationalism exists in that. I mean, it, mm-hmm. yeah, how much in we've kind of said before. At least my view is a lot of the theological aspects were sort of. Um, retconned in. Like a lot of it was, you know, German princes that didn't want to be subject to Rome, you know, embraced Lutheranism. Uh, you know, in England, where they didn't want to be subject to Rome, they embraced Anglicanism. I mean, it, it ends up being a thing more about power. And that's where you see kind of nationalism becoming a threat to the idea of Christendom um, throughout that time period. I mean, and there was, you know, the theology, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's I've never. You couldn't even go one generation without it just drastically changing, you know, even within the same, you know, denomination to something totally unrecognizable, mm-hmm. theologically speaking. But but there was just the disobedience and the the, the no, no longer having to, you know, listen to the foreign guy in Rome.
1: I think it's a little bit of that. But I think it's because and this is still a, 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 something I'm reading about and playing with my own brain is that there was a there grew an impatience among Christians to thoroughly evangelize and thoroughly convert when, and I don't think all of the continent was thoroughly converted from their hearts. When you just convert the Kings and when you begin to do conversions, not conversions through force, but um, when you have, uh, I think, you know, for example, when you have Augustine um, using imperial power to crush the Donatists, I think that was a mistake i think instead of converting that that spirit remains uh even spiritually uh in that area i think that happened on the continent as well there was this kind of refusal to fully convert this the the barbarism out of the barbarians so this ethnic and nationalistic i mean they wouldn't have it wouldn't have been nationalistic then but this kind of like tribal identity wasn't fully converted and it kind of stayed in the culture. I think that's what allowed it to happen. That's just a theory of mine that I'm, I'm reading a little bit about. You, but I think that's part of it. Are you
0: saying it's more because they didn't, it's, it's more of the, we're this because we're this and you don't go into why we're this like it for Catholics. Like we're, we, we, we do this because we're Catholic. Like you don't explain They didn't, there was no effort to explain why things were done and it became more of like a label instead of an actual lived faith
1: yeah i think it's part of it just like the just what that is is there's not a conversion of the heart mm-hmm. there's a kind of a conversion via culture or a conversion via like de facto but there's not this like deep understanding and uh, diving into um and so then you have um a people and even you know even priests and bishops who aren't fully immersed in christianity in christ and i think that's where that happens that's where like the the cracks begin to show mm-hmm. i mean basically w- we screw up when we when we the church messes up when she stops being church
0: okay that's yeah. what
1: allows these things to break more so far far more so than outside forces because if anything has shown us it's not outside forces that ever really harm the church it's inside forces
2: mm, i mean <laughs> i think the inside ahead, forces are very destructive but i mean there's clear you know i mean the mexican revolution that destroyed Catholicism in Mexico was a pretty external event. Yeah.
1: Why was that revolution there?
2: Uh, Putin? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, the, I haven't read enough about it. I mean, the various revolutions.
1: It's, uh, the Non-Christians don't come out of nowhere. Uh, just historically speaking, especially after, you know, Christendom is, is established. They don't come out of nowhere. They come from even within the church.
2: Okay, yeah, have, yeah, that's fair.
1: That's that's what I mean by that. So it's not like, actually, right now, what's kind of interesting, because th- this weird place in time that we're at, is that we have culture, because culture o- always comes from cults, always comes from religion. Religion comes first, then culture develops around it. A lot of times, mm-hmm. I, I, even I do this, I use the word culture in a bunch of different ways. Um, but anyway, now we have this very odd thing where the cults, of post Christianity, it's a weird thing that's never existed before. It's not paganism; it's this post Christian.
0: Ex- yeah, it's I like mean- coming
1: ex nihilo in a certain sense, like this out of nothingness.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, right. And it's really
1: it's- weird and really kind of scary when you've got like, and you see like you see it in like anything from incel like culture to like <laughs> super weird, um, like obsession with uh, politics
0: to. Really weird um, neo paganism. It's different. Replacement gods, right? Like it's whatever. Right. Yeah.
2: Well, the the catch there is that you know prior to, um, you know, the the coming of Christ and and you know that act of divine revelation, even the pagan cultures. I mean, you kind of had a sort of man searching for truth, and you you had certain places where, you know, they got pretty close, and you know those were the philosophies that, you know, were adapted to explain christianity so then you you know that's like your first phase and then you kind of have your your middle ages where where christian principles are essentially shaping society and you know that's what the that's what the goal is there Um, but then once you get out of that it's no longer just that the christian principles aren't shaping it it's that you know people are actively going against i mean they're they're running away from it like now before they didn't really even know they didn't have the truth, so they couldn't know the truth. And then now that the truth's been revealed, uh, you know, moving away from it is going to have a much more damaging effect. It's going to be scarier. Yeah, because it, it's like you know, think of a scary movie. You know, the the way to make it even more scarier is to say, you know, based on a true story. And so, <laughs> you know, to to be able to craft your your cult, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and see the truth and be able to craft your cult in opposition to it, you're going to, you know, you're going to do a better job creating something, you know, just spectacularly evil. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's kind of what you see. The other thing I would, I want to point out, and we've kind of touched on this, is that I would say that Ben Shapiro is much more benign as far as the other people who I would make this critique of, but there is this tendency to kind of say, okay, well, we have the West, and the West was this amazing culture that produced all the best things, and one of the things it produced, an accessory to it, was uh, the Catholic Church and the Catholic religion and Christianity, <laughs> and their commitment to the faith is entirely because it identifies with an idea they have about a culture, um, and that starts to get pretty dicey. I mean, I think it's a pretty you know benign thing with Ben Shapiro, but you know you can. You know, continue down the path with more controversial figures that have no interest in, you know, theology, Christian morals, any of that. But you know, they they do want to support the church as an institution because it's part of the West, and and that's where some of the stuff I, I get kind of. I think it, it it's a little worrying just because it's besides the fact that it's backwards, it it can lead people down some pretty dark paths, and you know, you you kind of see that in some of the the more fringe like alt-right movements yeah i think
1: where we would say his whole point is jerusalem and athens built the west we would say yeah jerusalem was a part of it yeah athens was a part of it but it was rome that built the west and the west isn't the west the west is christendom and we're still running on the fumes of christendom that's where everything came from and even if you look at it honestly historically that's what it is it's not this kind of vague amalgamation of of two cities. It's the church.
0: Sure. Right. Well, yeah. Even well, if, and that's but, where. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, even if you claim that the United States wasn't built as a Catholic country, it was still basically an unfortunate offshoot of Catholicism, right? That so it, it brought. Right. All and that it was shaped stuff by over English from, common law, yeah. which was carryover from Catholic England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you've got
2: ideas that people take for granted that were pretty much introduced to the world by Christianity that do make it into the, the common laws and some of the structures that build up, you know, what you have with the United States, mm-hmm. some of them. Yeah, so I think I would say just
1: my overall impression of the book is that um, it's fine. <laughs> I don't think it's as big a deal as as even Ben thinks it is. I don't think it's as big a deal as people are making it out to be if they are making it out to be. Uh, It's okay. Right. Uh, And it's obviously not Catholic. And so it's obviously not going to have the fullness of the truth. Um, And okay, fine. So that was kind of my impression over. I'm like, eh, it's, it's okay. It's not the, if you want some like real uh, meta history, if you want some real understanding of the movement of history and the West and Christendom and that, that, that idea, I think you can look to an author like Christopher Dawkins, who I'm getting more and more into, Mm who, who does this, better uh, and more accurately and also has a much deeper understanding of history because that's all he did with his life was like study this stuff Um,
0: so yeah that's that's kind of that's kind of the the snob in me and whenever I read things like this or I hear people talk about how great it is like well I'm also reading Frank Sheed right now and he just blows everything out of the water right (laughs) like it's I I with all due respect to Ben like the book and he I mean, he's done great with it. And, you know, it's sold a lot of copies, but there's just, mm-hmm. there's like, there's just so much more. There's just so much, like, it's, it's a good, like, uh, someone should, someone should write Like, someone should go through everything in his book and write, like, tag notes that show you where you can write, read Catholic authors that just explode all this stuff and, like, <laughs> take it to the next level, right?
1: You should do that for your uh, Patreon supporters.
0: Oh man, no, we're we're too busy cranking out C plus content on Patreon to. <laughs> to oh. and, uh, I don't know. That's like a Matt Frad thing. He he somehow works like forty seven hours in a day and can do all this stuff. So
1: well, this is what he does, right? He, he doesn't have like a job job.
0: Well, right? neither do I. So all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yikes! Yeah. Didn't mean to throw you under the bus like that. But uh, oops. No, I'm, just, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Zach, do you, knowing what you know now, do you have any interest in reading this book?
2: No, I'm gonna be honest. I don't. I <laughs> my my thing is that again, and this may maybe I jump to conclusions too quickly. But like, I think that when people try to find a way to To group together former Christendom without reference to the Catholic Church, the inevitable conclusion of that is defining it by things like race and whiteness and this and that's where I just like I I'm not a big fan of like this whole genre of let's talk about the West, but not make it centered on the Catholic Church. Because I just think it's it's more than a slippery slope. Like you can just go on any message board and see how quickly it devolves, you know? And I don't think that Ben is, I don't think that's his view. I think that he has very positive. I mean, I'm not accusing him of this. I just think that it's all, you know, it's, it, it's
0: a path. Well, the, well, the, the problem is when, with books like this, how Catholicism is referenced, it's like Catholicism came in and then, but they mainly focus on the no longer like he, he, I wrote it down how he phrased it. He, the, disillusion of catholic dominance that's how all these things are always framed they're always they're, yeah yeah they're never framed from the power or the the pa- they're never framed from like what the, ch- the church did for 1600 years it's always framed as the welp and then one day the the catholics didn't have a dominance anymore right Right, and when that gets thrown out, the you know the
2: uh, you, you lose a, the appreciation for poverty. You lose. I mean, you lose a lot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, you know, the economic impact of the Protestant Reformation uh, is pretty drastic. And I mean, and it, it starts to cause a lot of problems. And so, I mean, again, obviously, there some of my best friends are Protestant, but uh, you know, I I think the the like the first generation after you abandon, you know, Catholicism or Christianity or whatever is is going to still hold to a lot of things by force of habit. Um but since they're not retaining the meaning, they're not able to pass it on. And so it's just kind of guaranteed to fall apart. But you know that first um you know that first blast is always going to be o- almost like a drug. You know, the first time somebody uses a drug or you know the first time you decide to just go you know, spend all your money. It's like, wow, that was great. Can I recapture that first time? And it's like, you can't like that was, you know, you, you had built things up according to right principles and, you know, the restraint that came with the Catholic worldview and, you know, all of this. And then, yeah, when you first shook that off, it unleashes all of this energy, but then it quickly, you can't really maintain that. And then keep, you know, I did a search back for this like perfect time period where you know, we didn't have Catholic dominance, and there was individual liberty and laissez-faire economics, and and things just worked. So, well, that really was kind of a blip, and it it can't be recreated. That that'd be my view. I don't know if that's what you guys think, but
0: you know. No, yeah, hey. I, th- I think that's I think that's fair. I, I I tend to share the same views as you, Zach.
2: Yeah, I feel like it's uh, it's just um, it saves a lot of time if you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Ah, it's so beautiful, I love
2: it
0: yeah we, the the difference between Roman circus podcast and clerically speaking is on the priest podcast. you guys are taking shots at each other, and Zach and I just sit here and go, yep, yep, true, yep, right yep uh-huh uh-huh
2: uh-huh yeah well but so i mean with with Ben Shapiro, he has a a wide audience, and I think a lot of that's a white the audience, Zach. No, wide. A white, <laughs> a white mean, we know what you meant. We know what no. you meant. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, it, you know, he's worth following and paying attention to, and it's interesting to see some of his arguments. It's just a lot of times I'm just kind of like, yeah, like maybe in a laboratory these ideas would work, but
0: like that's, you know, I... That's always, that's been my thing lately, and Father, I... It, little behind the scenes is i've just constantly barraged father anthony with comments about this book for the past two weeks and i'm sorry for that (laughs) no i love it um he just it's too he just it, it i i don't know if this is a product of him like he talks about being bullied and he was he entered school at a young age so i think he's all he's constantly for the majority of his life he's constantly been on the defensive right so I think that carries over into how he conducts himself now to where he doesn't kinda he doesn't allow pushback that much. I think he's good I think he's good at like hearing out some ideas, but I think within his own philosophy he doesn't give enough. I think he well, I think what he needs His Catholicism? is Catholicism. His feelings. Okay. You no, know, he needs Catholicism, but he needs a little bit of feelings. Yeah, Father
1: Anthony. Like, he could be a much more effective communicator if he could be a little bit more empathetic, mm-hmm. and if he just like, like even like just ten percent more, mm-hmm. I think he'd be a much better communicator. Yes, I understand the emphasis and the need for reason in this time, mm-hmm. the need for facts in this time. Absolutely, I agree. We need we need to turn to objective truth. That's something he's very big on. Absolutely true. But you need to acknowledge the only thing that these people know in our society in no, our whatever the only thing that these people know which is their feelings mm-hmm. like that's that's well, their entire why? worldview and if you can't at least pay some reverence to that while correcting it you're not going to be a good, good communicator and i think that's where he he trips up a lot mm-hmm. you just right. can't well, it's, take it's, that moment
2: you know his the catchphrase is you know facts don't care about your feelings but like history is not shaped by facts and there's no i mean it, that's just a that's a fact like <laughs> facts are not the driving force of my head politics, is spinning. Yeah. history i mean it, it just doesn't work like that i mean the feelings ultimately i mean broadly defined shape history more than the facts do i mean that's how you have so many just strange movements that pop up and um you know i mean prohibition was that because of some fact about alcohol i mean no it was feelings uh, you know the i mean it, it finally took realistically it took people's feelings changed to get civil rights to happen you know the facts had been there all along mm-hmm. i mean it, that's where i'm like I, I get this importance of facts except that again like as far as what shapes history a lot of times the facts just get left out because mm-hmm. the decisions are made by humans and and humans can only interpret facts
0: through their feelings. Well, it's the same too with how we go about like spreading Catholicism, right? Like if we, if we were to just sit here on this podcast and just slam you with thought after thought, after thought, after thought, and we left no openness to like what you're actually feeling within it. Like Zach and I, before this podcast, we had a, we had a chat about a topic where we basically said we basically fact ourselves to death so much that feelings wise, we were all just mixed up. We had no, Id- I, or at least from my side, I had no idea what way was up and what ways down, but I knew all the facts of the situation. I didn't, I didn't take time to actually process it. Right. So it's just like anything that if you, you, we need to know the truth and we need to know what's going on, but we also have to give way to actually f- allow ourselves to feel through it.
1: Yeah, well, well, feelings properly understood is an important way of knowing an important part of a human person, or else God would not have given us these things. Mm-hmm. So you need a, a, a not just a balance, but a integrated understanding of the human person. Um, so like I said, I get his emphasis. I think it's an important emphasis in our time, but he could do a lot better if he acknowledged the other parts of humanity as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, hope, I do hope, like, I do hope he he does. Like it, it he's such he's such a force now that I don't he I don't think he can be like ignored or brushed aside, right? So the best the hope is that if someone marches and becomes such a force that they find the correct path or they find the good. Like it's it's why we don't want to wipe out political parties. We want both political parties to be Catholic, right? We want we want everything. <laughs> yeah. We want. I mean, I'm not in
2: favor of democracy or political parties, but sure, I'm sure you can.
0: Zach.
1: Oh, side note. Just... Can I just take, it, take a, can I take a shot at Zach?
0: Oh, please. By all means. <laughs> and I say this
1: with love. Deep down, I think you know that you don't vote just because you you're too lazy. You just don't want to.
2: I've only not voted once. When was that? What, this most this recent whole, You midterms. have this whole
1: – have you been lying to me? You have this whole shtick on your show about you're a non-voter.
2: But that's a new thing I adopted. So the first time I didn't vote was the 2018 midterms.
1: Oh, that's not bad at all. Midterms aren't even a thing.
2: <laughs> no, I know. But I mean – No like, one votes for midterms. Yeah. I feel but deceived. I also pointed out – it's it's not actually the laziness. It's because, like, I'm not a vegan – I don't do CrossFit. Like I don't have anything I can be super sanctimonious about. And so this is <laughs> this is a
1: uh, no. That see that I can respect. Thank yeah. you for correcting me. I withdraw my previous critique. I now understand more deeply the person that is Zach.
0: Oh, Father Anthony, Wait. you don't even know the half. That's of a dark it. path. You don't even want to go down. Yeah, that path. I've been <laughs> I've been in Dallas for three days now, and I'm staying here another four. And I I by the end of it, I I'm, I'll tell some stories. I'll have my own podcast. <laughs> Yeah. If you're in trouble, if if you need help, just DM me. Yeah. Just wink, blink twice. Send you a blink. Yeah. Oh. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Cough twice now. If if Zach's keeping you against your will.
0: Right. No. It's it's been great. I you know ten out of ten would recommend coming to Dallas and staying with Zach for a week. Um. But other than that, yeah. So that's uh, that's that. I hope I hope we did this justice. I hope we did a fair analysis that won't turn either side off all that much but i i i thought it was something worth talking about um yeah yeah all right so it's okay it's holy week so instead of a saint of the week i'm just going to say it's holy week so go to church a bunch and and uh, (laughs) just a whole bunch yeah
1: just stay there go to church and just stay
0: there i think that it that is canon law it's uh, Holy Week, ignore all your responsibilities and stay in church for 24 hours. Can we get Ed Condon on the show to back us up on that? <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, anything you want to say, Father Anthony, before we get out of here?
1: No, thanks. Uh, this was fun. I was excited to have this conversation with you guys, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah,
0: thank you. Oh, one last question. This I'm, We'll be like... A week and a half out by now, but, uh, Becky, mm-hmm. Becky Lynch, were we happy with that? What's the, I was okay with it. I was not okay with the botch finish
1: at the end really took the wind they... out of my sails.
0: They, the whole time I was watching it, they set up the table. We're talking WrestleMania, Zach, by the way. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. The end, when they set up the table, my buddy and I were like, with all due respect, Charlotte's the only one big enough to go through this table
1: call me sexist but girls just can't break sexist. tables so that's i mean that's the one well, that's the most sexist uh, That's that's the
0: problem UI <laughs> i
1: hold. it's like whenever the ladies bring out a table they can't go through well, it and they try so hard they showed
0: they can't do it right they so they did it they double su- they double suplex ronda not even through it right <laughs> like so she she just cracks it and then they have that botch ending it was very it was a bummer because like I was legitimately a match that I was interested in watching, and I I do I do like the I do like the pomp and circumstance and the fakery of wrestling. I I love all of it
1: absolutely, and
0: just the habit. And by the by the end of it, we had been watching this thing for six hours, right?
1: It was exhausting, and I was getting a little bit of uh, a cold too at the end of that. So it just it was just I wanted to be so much more into that match. it's just hard to when it's that
0: long I know, but I don't know who do you, who do you think won the night who was if you had to pick someone
1: oh definitely Kofi I mean that was um probably that had the biggest pop that was the most fun it was a good match. Right. Um, Kofi is a great face um uh Brian's a great heel um that was that was probably it for me.
0: Yeah, and it was just I trying to think
1: of something else. It was and just actually really the best part of WrestleMania was of course NXT on Friday. So that's always my favorite. I, I was part. gonna
0: say Ricochet like won the night for me with his match too. Like he was pretty...
1: Oh no, that that spot <laughs> That was I'm sorry, but this is too good not to say. Yeah. That spot when Cesaro's doing the swing. Yes like for like four minutes and then Sheamus is just clubbing people in the outside. I could not stop laughing yeah. at that spot. I loved yeah, it. No, I was, thrilled. it was
0: amazing. And then like that, that spin, that spin that ended in the, Oh yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Of course. All, all that stuff was amazing. And I, <laughs> yeah, it also did you, it was the first, uh, African-American male to win the world championship at WrestleMania, I think. So I, th- I wow. don't think Booker T ever did it. So,
1: yeah, that was awkward.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Well, one last important
2: question, mm. Father. Mm. Do you think that? Okay. We have when this airs, it will have passed. But so Palm Sunday, right? Yeah. You know, uh, our Lord rides into Jerusalem
0: mm-hmm.
2: to adoring fans. Do you think that a a sort of adapted version of Old Town Road would be <laughs> um, a, an appropriate song for Palm Sunday?
1: If, if I adapted, you mean you translate the lyrics into Latin, then yes. Oh,
2: you know how to win you our heart. You have to take a lot of things out.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Just, you know, see. That's it. all you have to do, Father Anthony. Come on here, and if we ask you a question, say, only if you it into Latin. And we're just like, <laughs> we basically we basically become heart eyes emojis all over the place, so. What well, I was thinking about
2: is, like, you wouldn't say horse, you know, you would, uh, you know, biblically you'd say ass, so you would, you're gonna, I'm gonna take my ass to the old town road, right, and Jerusalem's an old town, I mean, really, anyway, I'm it sorry, works. I'm fired, I'm cancelled. <laughs>
1: <laughs> cancelled, Palm Sunday's cancelled. Oh. <laughs> it's awkward, but this is what the power of this
0: podcast. Oh, wow, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> All right, gang, yeah, check out, uh, I, I mean, if you listen to us, there's, you odds are you listen to Clerically Speaking. Uh, by the way, I, I searched Clerically Speaking on iTunes, and you know what the first podcast came up that said people who listen to this also listen to this is?
1: Uh, what? What was Roman it?
0: Roman Circus Podcast.
1: Lovely. I do want to plug one thing oh, real yeah, quick. Oh, yeah, do it. All of it is The, the Spicy Nugs Podcast. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, where I love two it. Priests, this is real. Yeah.
1: This is not a joke. This is where two priests and a dad serve up the hottest takes and in the, the frostiest shakes. Going shapes. through Wendy's going through Wendy's, it comes out once a month we have four episodes all of them are brilliant it's the best thing i've ever done um or been a part father, of spicy nugs
0: podcast father dan uh former guest of the show and friend of the show does a great job of hosting that and i do mean that seriously he's he is great for it he's brilliant he is like the just the he he has such a good sense of humor yeah I mean,
2: it, it's like it's you have to once you start catching it you realize like he's so funny. yeah yeah
0: yeah no that's great it uh Thank you for plugging that. Everyone should listen to that. Mm. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, Father Anthony. And if you, you know, let us have it on Twitter. I always want to hear people's thoughts, so let us know what you think.
1: Yeah, definitely let Matt know what you think about this podcast. Yeah, I don't
0: have a job. What else am I supposed to do? (laughs) Let me know, too, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just not me. I still want to know. I'll just read what you wrote on their Twitter feed.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, gang, and we will talk with you next week. (laughs)